Hello, thanks for tuning in. Um, this podcast is fiercely dedicated to talking about how to become a sovereign individual and family, and today is no exception. I want to talk about a topic. Um, it's near and dear to our heart, and so I want to I want to share some of the the facts and the feelings and the emotions around when our daughter Holly died. Um, so two years ago, and it's the reason I'm sharing this today, right? This is t- today. This is August fifth, twenty twenty-two, and two years ago, this day, August fifth, twenty twenty. Um, is when our daughter uh, died, and um, and so just kind of the facts around that is we we lost our baby in utero. Uh, Katie was 20 weeks pregnant with Holly, and uh, and for an unknown reason um, we we lost the baby, and uh, that was really hard. And so I know that. Um, <laughs> I can think back to that time before, shortly before losing Holly, um, which is really hard to remember how I thought and felt because like that was such a big inflection point that it's really difficult to kind of separate out the the feelings from before and the feelings after. But um, I remember before losing Holly that it was difficult for me to like really understand or empathize when another couple um, lost a baby, whether it was a stillbirth or miscarriage um, or, you know, or it was born and and passed away shortly after from complications or something. Um, it was really difficult for me to understand, uh, because I had never gone through it. And so I, I fully recognize that some people who are listening to this episode, um, might be thinking to themselves that, Hey, it sounds kind of dramatic to say, you know, when our daughter died, because was she ever really alive? Right. And so there's this whole philosophical debate around like when a fetus becomes viable, and um and you know when when does the government consider them alive or or dead or whatnot and and i'm just going to put all that conversation aside and not really dive into that at all and just say uh you know without getting into like the like definitions and, and timelines of things and when you consider like a someone alive or dead just realize that to me and and a whole lot of other couples that have lost a baby. Um, I can't speak for all of them, but certainly for me, she was alive, right? We, we had gone to an ultrasound at, at week, I think it was week 12. Uh, and then another one at week probably 15 or something like that. And, um, had seen, had seen the heartbeat, had seen Holly moving, moving limbs, and uh you know fluttering around and so even though she was quite small um when she passed still small too small for me you know for me to feel a kick uh through the belly she was alive right she was moving and and my wife Katie and I you know had started the process of getting emotionally ready to receive a child into our family right we were excited we at the time we lived in Oklahoma. Um, we had had three kids already: uh, Kelly, Calvin, Reagan. And so, um, our, we had bought before we got pregnant, but before Reagan was born, we had bought a house in Oklahoma that was really a gorgeous house. It's beautiful. We're the first owners, brand new house. Um, 
and it was in this nice suburb neighborhood and like the best schools in Oklahoma. You know, we, we, we did what probably most parents do is like when you're looking to move into an area, you like study all the schools and, um, like interview people and like visit the church and a couple other places that you think you'll frequent or places that you think will matter to you. And you kind of interview people and then, and then you kind of pick, right? And so part of our whole philosophy, right, was, um, well, we're going to be here for a little while. We're going to raise our family here. And, uh, and so when we got pregnant with Holly, it was just kind of, we were emotionally in that state already. And we were excited to, um, you know, turn one of our bedrooms. Well, one of our bedrooms already was kind of like the baby room because Reagan was born in that house. And, um, and so we were excited to kind of graduate Reagan from, from the baby room and move her into, um, you know, one of the other rooms and then make room for a new baby. So we were already making preparations. We were excited. And, you know, it had gotten past the, I guess the point that most people wait to tell people. So, um, you know, all of our friends and family, coworkers, um, like members of the congregation, things like that, like everyone knew that we were pregnant and they're all excited for us and we're excited. And, and so you kind of, you know, change your life around this, right? You're like, Oh wow. Okay. So the baby's going to be born sometime in the fall. And so, you know, everyone's like planning Christmas to come to our house and they're planning because like, we're not going anywhere, right? Cause we're going to have a new baby. So you're making all these plans and everyone's going to come visit and you're planning like family reunions around, around this. And, and so anyway, for all intents and purposes to us, like she was very, she was alive. Right? She hadn't been born yet, but she was alive and she was just part of our reality already. Right. And, uh, and so when we, um, we went in for just a normal ultrasound and, and, um, you know, around week, I guess it was around week 17, 18, anyway, um, around then that we went in for an ultrasound and realized that she was not alive anymore. And, um, there's a the next two weeks were some of the roughest two weeks on us because we were waiting for we decided to wait for Katie's body to deliver Holly naturally um anyway August 5th was the day that she was actually born and because um of how far along she was like the state of Oklahoma considers her to be alive and uh and so issued a death certificate um on August 5th so that was what happened to us, right? That was that was our experience. It was extremely um, an extremely low time for me, and it was for Katie uh, to go through that. And um, like at the time, I was running an engineering firm. I had started Patronus Energy, and. like there was I I couldn't it it was hard for me not to just like kind of (laughs) I kept one of the harsh things I would tell myself it's just kind of on a mental loop it's not like I was consciously telling myself this but it was happening right as I was I would tell myself Stephen you're such an idiot you know if you just stayed with your safe job you know they they have all kinds of 
programs to help you and they have like bereavement leave and um, all this kind of stuff, right? They have like paternity leave and things like that so that they would, you could make your nice safe salary <laughs> and and sit at home and kind of work through this on your own time. But But that wasn't what happened, right? I had quit my job and I'd started my own company and so it was only a couple months old. So if like every, every single day in a new company, every day that you're not working, um, you're not earning money. Like you, you have the freedom to choose what you do, right? You're like, yay, freedom. Like I'm my my own boss. And so I can go, I can work today or I can go hang out at the pool with my family today. Right. And like, nobody's gonna spy on me or get me in trouble or something. I don't have to tell anybody I'm doing this. It's like, I'm my own boss. Well, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, uh, you know, in a small company, if you're not working, things aren't getting done. (laughs) So at a big company, uh, if you take time off work, like a coworker is going to fill in for you or do your work or, you know, let's be honest, some of the stuff that you're working on doesn't like really impact the bottom line that much. And so if you're not doing it, then nobody really knows that you're not doing it because <laughs> it just doesn't matter as much as you think it does, you know, because like we all try to create significance for ourselves. Um, and, and so, and hopefully that doesn't ruffle too many feathers, but like, it's true, right? People go to a job and, um, you know, like if, if they're working on something that doesn't really matter, you try to admit, invent the significance and make it matter (laughs) and so um so in like that that creates an environment where you can take paid time off it it's possible right because the company's big enough um that other people can either fill in for you or it's big enough and making enough money that it doesn't really notice when the stuff that you're working on doesn't really matter and so when you take time off nobody notices because it's not like you know, the world's going to end for the company or something. <laughs> That's not the case though for a small business owner. Uh, if you don't work it, you know, things don't get done. So, you know, here we are in the state where, um, we had just lost our daughter and I was, you know, I was grieving, I was struggling. And, uh, and so I, I remember this, right. You, I just had to keep moving or else my family would starve. So um, I would kind of bottle up my emotions and like put them somewhere in my mind where they weren't impacting me really. And I was kind of like, I put a smile on my face and I'd make client phone calls and I would do work with clients and I would like manage my team. You know, I, I had employees that, didn't even know right like they they had no idea that we had lost our baby <clears throat> you know and <clears throat> i i had told them that we were pregnant so i'm gonna get a drink of water real quick hold on <clears throat> had a little <coughs> something in my throat uh, my bad i had employees at the time and i we had told them that we were pregnant and they're like yeah we're all excited but um I couldn't, I don't know. I just couldn't bring myself to tell them we lost the baby. So, um, I put a smile on and would do our training meetings and coordination meetings and client meetings. And I would go prospecting and do sales calls and things like that. And just 
just grind through and do what I needed to do. And then, you know, on like Saturday night, I would just crash. Like I, I, I couldn't hold back the grief train anymore. Every, so this is kind of a cycle I got into. Like every Saturday night, I would just, I would crash, um, be so low. And then uh, su- wake up Sunday I I wouldn't want to go to church. I wouldn't want to do anything. I wouldn't want to get out of bed. I was just like, that's when all the emotions would like be hitting me. And then, um, and then I knew Monday would, I, again, like I didn't want to go to work, but there's nobody paying me for time off. And so, um, I, I would just kind of bottle up again, come Monday morning and, and go and grind through the week. And it was kind of like a cycle like this for a few weeks It's just like a cycle of like grief and, and, and pain on the weekend and then just bottling it all up during the week. So that was my reality. And, um, and it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it's helpful or healthy. Right. But that's just what I felt like we needed to do. And so anyway, I had a good friend and if and um a really solid friend his name's Greg Denning and um and he hosts a couple of podcasts The Extraordinary Family Life and he also hosts the Be the Man um <clears throat> Be the Man podcast and just a solid solid guy and um so happy we had already had this friendship um in place because when this happened this was so traumatic for my wife and I and our family and so um he we, he I hopped on the phone with Greg and we had a call and in that call he asked this question that was really insightful and uh and that's what I'm kind of getting out with the story is this question which is what uh, he, he asked Katie and Stephen what do you want Holly's passing to mean to you and at first the question's kind of confusing because you know we're not used to getting to choose the meaning of something it's just like well what do you mean this just happened and he said yeah you're right it happened but like you you know that doesn't necessarily mean that the like the meaning is concrete you know <laughs> it happened and you can't change that it happened but um you know, we let's talk for a moment and just like explore what does this mean to you? And I remember that question being such a turning point, such a really insightful question. And I want to, that's what I want to focus on today in this episode um, and why this all matters, right? And what does this, what does this have to do with being a sovereign individual or sovereign family? Is that is you have, <clears throat> you have the capacity to choose your emotions and depending on how long you've followed us or where you're at in your own personal development journey or how truly free you are maybe this is a new concept and so I'm going to say it again because I just really want to drive this home is that you choose your emotions 100% they are in your control and now where we sit two years after this fact, right? And having lived in, um, like other, you know, 
other parts of the world and and traveled full-time for two years and interviewing tons of people and seeing lots of different ways to do life and developing really meaningful relationships to the point where we can ask this question, I can say with 100% certainty that, you know, irrespective of what has happened to you or your upbringing or, or anything, you are in control of your emotions. You get to choose. You get to pick them. Now, again, some people that's like really foreign, you're like, well, well, that's not fair because like this happened to me and this happened to me and this tragedy and this person wronged me and, and my parents this, my parents that, a broken family, what, whatever it is. But by the way, I've heard, it's not, and I don't downgrade your uniqueness or you know everything because every person has a unique story, okay? But having heard lots of stories, so I, I say that we have heard lots of stories because I don't want you to say, well, hey, listen, Stephen, it sounds like you've lived a sheltered life, and so that's true for you, but for me, I, you know, I was raised on the streets, and life was hard, and so I don't get to pick my emotions. No, I'm telling you, we've met people who are homeless. We've met people, gangs, violence, um, divorce abuse right like we've talked to people and we've realized that it it is doesn't matter what has happened to you you still can choose your emotions and and what those things mean to you and so that's if you want to be sovereign if you want to be free a sovereign individual you have to realize that you need to pick the meaning of your life. You need to assign your own emotion to things. You need to create your own meaning out of what's happening around you. And and, and create it in a way that serves you well, that makes you free. All right, because the default what everyone else does is it's very reactionary. Like something happens to you and you have like a default program like well, I guess I'm going to be mad now or I'm going to be offended now or I'm going to be victimized now. And if that's the case, and, and right, it, so that's normal. I mean, I don't know about normal, but it's average for sure because that's what most people do. Um, and so that's the common thing, but it's not, it doesn't lead to freedom. It doesn't lead to sovereignty. And so that's why this matters in this podcast is because you've got to master this skill of assigning meaning. And, um, and so for us, we... Um, and again, like I, I want to emphasize having gone through like grief right, and pain and wrestling with this question, like what does Holly's death mean to me? I can't change that it happened. It happened and it wasn't fair. Um, and, you know, and it, it hurts a lot. And I can't, I can't just will grief to leave right oops sorry i uh, got a phone call <laughs> i forgot to set do not disturb on my phone and so anyway um just continue on that thought um you don't get to pick uh you don't always get to pick what happens to you but you always get to pick your emotion and what it means to you so as we wrestle with this and i wanted to share this with you today because every year on august 5th I, I revisit this question and sometimes it, it 
you know, I don't necessarily wait for August 5th. Sometimes Katie and I, or me individually, like we, we ask this question throughout the year, but certainly on the 5th, it, it's a natural time to like ask it because it's Holly's birthday, right? So we, we revisit this. And so I thought it'd be neat to share with you um, what, what I've come up with, the meaning that I give Holly's uh, passing, right? Holly's birthday and, 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 you know, her death. And so what do I want it to mean? Uh, here's some bullet points. Like for, for us, for me, Holly's passing marks the beginning of a great family adventure. Um, for us, we, we realize that life is short. And so we have been talking for years about like, someday we'll do this. Someday we'll, like we want to travel with our family. Someday we want to go ski all the ski resorts in the Rockies. And someday we want to go to another country and, and not just visit and take a bunch of selfies, but like be there and like learn their culture and learn their language and eat their foods and be in and among the people. And someday we want to, um, you know, adventure and do something different and scary. And so that's one thing, right? That's one huge, and I'll, I'll share more of the bullet points, right? But just to tell you what's happened in the last two years since Holly died, and after we, we chose to assign that meaning to that event, I mean, I can point, you know, say August 5th, she died. A month later, we had a bunch of family over um, for a, a kind of a celebration, and it was, and then shortly after that celebration, we decided uh, we're we're traveling. Like we're deciding to, you know, today's the day. We always say someday this is going to happen, but today's the day. So then, like a month after that, we had sold everything. Right, we had sold our house, we had sold all our stuff, we packed everything up. And it was like, you know, middle of November that we we hit the road with our family. Everything we owned was in our car, and um, and that marked like for the last two years has been constant, constant travel, constant adventure. And, um, and we still are today. And so anyway, that's one piece of meaning that we, we assigned to Holly's death. Another is the beginning of a chapter of the world's greatest love story, which is between my wife and I, like we've truly leaned in. We, this is not like Holly's passing is not a, a thing that causes us so much pain that we don't talk about it. And that, it's a sticking point and it drives us apart and, and we start blaming each other, which is what happens to a lot of people when they miscarry or you know, have a death of a child. It's like they don't know what to do with these feelings and these emotions, so it just drives a wedge until their marriage falls apart. We consciously made the choice to give the meaning to this event. Um, this is going to be the beginning of us leaning in even closer and becoming an extraordinary marriage and we have uh so another another bullet point meaning that i assign this is um holly's death meant the the moment that i began truly leaning into my kids and uh growing into my role as a father a mentor and friend to them and um the moment i truly became committed to becoming an extraordinary dad before this, like I was a, I was a good dad, right? Like I, I was playing the part, playing the role, 
Like I wasn't like, I don't know. I, I mean, I wasn't an ogre right, of a dad. Like I, I was, I was a good dad, but I still so much was on autopilot, right? Like I, you know, I, I don't know. It's tough to explain and articulate, but there's a switch that happens when you truly, truly lean in and choose this constant active role in like your child's development and you become an architect of it and you create space and give them freedom to become themselves but you also create these experiences that like help them learn and to grow and and um, it's different from being a helicopter parent it's different from being a micromanaging parent it's it's something unique to um to just lean in to your role as a dad and, and, and want to crush it. And so Holly's death was um, like the beginning of my commitment to, to truly, <clears throat> truly being extraordinary. Uh, and then finally, I would say um, like Holly's death represents the moment that Katie and I really lean into each other. Like we were committed to each other before, but now we were fiercely committed. Like it's a little bit difficult to explain, but it's important to make that distinction that we became intentional about how we treat each other, how we stand up for each other, how we encourage each other's hopes and dreams and help each other chase down those hopes and dreams. And, um, you know, it, it became a moment, a different level of devotion. And so that's what it all means to us. So what does this have to do with being sovereign? Well, like I, I don't know what your situation is, dear listener, right? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know what tragedy or hardship has befallen you, but all of us have. It's just part of life. And uh and so like I don't know how you were raised or what emotional baggage you have. Um but let me just say this is me giving you permission to say you get to change the meaning. You can't change that it happened, but you get to change the meaning. Are you gonna continue to be angry about that thing are you going to continue to not have confidence as a result of that thing are you going to continue to perpetuate that hurt by hurting other people because you were hurt or um is it are you going to continue to spiral so that your marriage is mediocre or rocky or ends or like you're a disinterested or disconnected parent or a sub par employee or are you never going to start that business that you've always wanted to do because now you're scared right it's like you you can't change it happened it happened maybe it happened multiple times and many times you can't change that but you do get to take ownership of what it means to you how you feel about it and what it's going to mean going forward and so this is your permission if you want to be a sovereign individual a sovereign family, sovereign business owner, this is your moment to go get a go get a journal, pen and paper, sit down and do an audit on your emotions. Like what is holding you back? What event kind of started that thing? And change the meaning. Change the change the emotions tied to that. Just change it. And if you talk to anyone who's truly sovereign, they they have that skill and they have that realization because this is mortality, right? This is life. Like every single person that you think of or think of when you think of like someone wealthy or free or an awesome influencer, like every single one of those people, every one of them has gone through tragedy, 
you know, it's just like every human, by the way, has gone through it. But like sometimes, oops, <laughs> got another phone call. Sorry again. I'm gonna set do not disturb. <laughs> uh, what I was saying though was um, every single human goes through these uh, like tragedy events because that's just part of life. And sometimes we get tempted to think the influencers we follow, all the people who are famous or rich and successful, like they just don't go through it or <clears throat> it's not as hard for them because they have more money or more friends or something. And it's not true. It's, um, that's a fallacy, right? But the difference between the people who are truly sovereign and then the masses are they've developed these skills um, to process their grief, process their emotions, and then change the meaning or the assignment, that the emotions that they assign to that thing that happened to them. <laughs> so you can do that too. And um, anyway, so thanks for tuning in. That's the message I wanted to share today. And um, catch you on the flip side.